Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Insider, brought to you, as ever, by the lovely people at Vanishing Inc. Today, all the way from Belfast, we've got the delightful Nicola Arcane. Nicola, how are you this afternoon? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Damien? I am peachy. We have no time for pleasantries. It's a 30-minute show. What's your origin story? You have got 27 seconds. Go. Okay, so I was put into a box. Now, not just any kind of box, an illusion (laughs) when I was 19 in a magic show for children. And basically, in that show, I fell in love with magic and decided uh, that when I finished my degree in drama, I wanted to be a magician. So I started working with children, first off, and then I just tried all sorts of different magic, close-up, stage, uh, maybe not mentalism, but there's still time yet. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically, yeah, I fell in love with magic. Who or what is Fizzwiz Pop? Aha! Fizzwiz Pop is a wonderful character that I have created for children over the last 15 years. Um, She basically is very energetic, very fun, very quirky girl who basically wants to provide wonder for children. And she does that in the form of magic. Um, And basically, uh, it's roughly a 45-minute magic show filled with laughs, filled with fun, but above all, the children are the ones that provide the magic, uh, and I just basically provide the method to let them go and have fun. So that's what Fizzwiz Pop is. Well, who then is Nicola Arcane, and how does she differ from Fizzwiz Pop? Well, basically, um, uh, Fizzwiz Pop became a brand and a standalone business, um, And when I decided I wanted to start doing close-up and stage magic for adults, I knew that that was completely different from Fizz's Pop. So I had to create a different entity, if you like. And uh, my actual real name is Nicola McBride. And I didn't Uh. want to be known as Jeff McBride's long-lost daughter (laughs) from Ireland. So I decided, what the hey, I need to come up with a brand new name. And um, I just didn't have any idea how to pick or choose a name. I did want to keep the Nicola. Um, so I decided to go back to my Irish roots and basically I tried to look for something magical. And basically Nicola, um, it's a Greek name and it means victory to the people. Mm-hmm. And then the arcane came because arcane kind of means it's archaic. It's old kind of Irish myth lore. And also it's a secret waiting to be unlocked or untold. So basically uh... it just kind of came together and Bob's your uncle. I am now Nicola Arcane. In a really short period, you, as Nicola Arcane, performed magic at the Chicago Magic Lounge, won two close-up competitions at the IBM British Ring, with a guest performer in Mystique in Stockholm, performed in the close-up gallery at the Magic Castle, gave a lecture at the Magic Weekend in Lund in Sweden. Is it fair to say that you quite like close-up magic now then? I absolutely love close-up magic if you had said to me two years ago that I would be at this stage and actually loving close-up magic I would not have believed that that could have been possible because for two years ago I was absolutely petrified of performing close-up magic I couldn't even bring myself to go to a close-up event because I was just so afraid of performing magic for adults. And it's really controversial because I love close-up magic. I love card magic, coin magic. I just physically couldn't bring myself to do it. I I got into my head this weird kind of phobia of close-up. But um, 
about a year ago I visited um, yourselves at the session uh-huh. and basically uh, Andy Gladwin told me to come along you'll be really inspired by close-up magic you'll see amazing performers plug for the session guys Thank and you. Uh, basically I I could not believe the magic that I saw and I was so inspired that I wanted to go out and just do close-up and that's what I've done in the last year and I've tried to push myself as far as I could go to see how far I could go. That's quite a few accomplishments for your first year in close-up Nicola. Yes <laughs> indeed I don't do thing by, things by half. <laughs> no clearly but the fear the fear where did that come from because I imagine if we were to go to the castle or to the magic circle and say to all the close-up workers what do you think it's easier doing? Close-up magic for adults or close-up or magic for kids? They'd all say it's easier for doing it for adults. Where did the fear come from? Basically what happened was when I started out uh, after performing in that show when I was in um, studying my degree, I basically wanted to try all sorts of magic, uh, close-up, stage, mentalism. As I say, I'm still going to go into that at some stage in my later career. And uh, kids' magic and what happened was when I did close up, I was treated not very kindly by a lot of male uh, customers who were at events. Um, I was talked down to, I was uh, touched inappropriately. Oh my gosh. Basically, it really it scared the life out of me. It, I, I just had no control over it. And, and part of it was their fault, obviously. But the other part was my fault because at that stage, I was too young to know who I was as a woman. And, you know, I didn't know how to handle those situations. Mm. So I'm not sure like, it's your fault to be touched <laughs> appropriately, Nicola. Yeah, um, but I could have handled it a bit better back then. And basically, that's why I just I just stayed away from it. I was like, no, I'll, I'll just practice card and coin magic in my room and I'll, I'll just leave it alone. But then two years ago, I was just like, I, I can't let that fear uh, captivate my life. You know, I, I want to be able to perform the magic that I love. Um, so I, I just had to get myself over it, you know, and I think so how, I have. Okay, so how did, you, how did you fight the fear and do it anyway? Basically, I had a lot of friends encouraging me, um, including uh, Faye Presto, uh, mm. Is an we'll talk about her in a moment. Yes. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of friends, basically. Um, over the years, obviously, with kids, I performed in all sorts of situations and I've toured shows across America. And I realized when I clocked everything that I have so much experience as a performer. Mm. And I realized that um, perhaps as I've grown a bit and I have that experience, I could use that in the close up field. And actually, when I went back out and did close up again in the last year, I realized I wasn't treated the same way. Um, people uh, were actually watching me. They were looking at what I was doing. I commanded respect from the audience. And mm-hmm. I think that just came through confidence, really, you know. So it is possible and, and things do change and you should constantly keep trying the things, even though, you know, you, if you had bad experiences of it, they will that will change, you know. Sure. Sure. Let's let's talk about Faye. Her name frequently pops up on your Facebook page. Yes. Who is Faye Presto to you? Faye Presto is a living legend. She is such an inspiration. I met her about four years ago, and since then she's really came in and shifted my life for the better. Um, she has housed me when I'm over in London uh, and looked after me, but above all, she has inspired me completely to do close-up magic. Um, 
I have uh, went around uh, her um, residencies in London and seen her working so that uh, she can show me how easy it is to manage a space, what it's like to interact with customers and clients. And, and actually what I found with Faye was that she provides for adults what I already provide for children. She provides a wondrous experience um, and takes people in her audiences to a completely amazing place. And that's what I want to do with Close Up. So for me, Faye is such an inspiration for that. You seem to think about magic in interesting ways. What do you think if I say structure? Well, <laughs> um, I could probably talk for quite a long time on structure, but basically in the last couple of years when I have been devising my close-up magic, I have used uh, various structures to create the magic. Um, so in order to, well, let's just, for example, I take a trick that I want to do, like a coin trick or a mm -hmm. card trick. And I want to create a story with that, but I don't know necessarily what I want to do with the trick, because for me, you can read tricks in books, you can watch videos on how to do the trick. But actually, for me, I get really bored very easily. I need to find uh, things that make a trick interesting to practice and then also to perform. So okay. I use structures to help basically create some fun. And there are many different structures you can use uh, when you're creating magic. Uh, for example, you can use the structure of a limerick, which is like a poem uh, or a song. You can use a structure uh, that is palindromic. So it's like A, B, C, B, A. So it kind of uh, ends as it begins. Mm -hmm. And basically I take that structure and use it to help me. So for example, I'll just do like an ABA structure to show you. So A would be produce a coin, mm -hmm. B would be vanish a coin, mm -hmm. and A would be you produce the coin again. Mm -hmm. I know that seems really simple, but actually when doing very complex magic, it, it does simplify what you're doing and makes it very clear to someone watching what you're doing. And you know what you're doing as well. It's, it's hard to describe, but structure for me, has helped me create so many original pieces of magic of my own. Uh, they may not be good magic sometimes. <laughs> we all have to do bad and good magic. But um, actually, in the last year, it, it helped me create my close-up set for the castle. So Right. How? Why is it important for you to create original material? I've... I've always been like this um, and it's sometimes to my detriment because it takes me so long to find tricks that I like and enjoy and it was the same with my kids show um, I didn't want to just be the same as anybody else I wanted to create tricks that were unique and original um, so that people would not only remember what I do but also so I can enjoy what I do um, right. when I when I see magic um, I kind of think I look at it completely different to everybody else you know I'm looking for the story I'm listening to the music I'm looking at the character and I think that's all really came from my theatrical training and my background mm. uh, I'm, I'm really glad that I came from that background rather than just into magic because I do have advantages over other performers for sure but at the same time um you know you've just got to really Sorry, I've lost my train of thought. You can cut that bit. <laughs> <laughs> Your theatrical background. Yes, uh, my theatrical background does help. 
um, in creating uh, magic. But um, yeah, I just I, I think I just look and see magic differently to other people. You've written a book, Nicola. What's that all about then? I have. I wrote my first magic book. Um, basically, uh, it was actually this year at the session, second plug. Hey, thank you. That's good. <laughs> I was, Checks in I the was, post. Yes. <laughs> I was invited. Uh, I was um, invited out to talk to a few young magicians. And I was surprised after, after we were exchanging magic, showing magic to each other, they began asking me about what I do. And I told them, obviously, I'm a children's performer. And they started asking me loads of questions um, like, you know, oh, how do you keep children uh, sitting down for 45 minutes? How, how do you talk to children? Just basic knowledge, what, what, what I think is basic. Um, and actually what I yeah, found but You've been was, doing it for 15 years. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, what I found was, though, that I was able to eloquently express and talk to them easily about how I have found entertaining children over the last time that I've been doing it and what I realized was that this information is like gold dust it's like a gem and people need to know this information there's not many books on the market um I mean you can go to any magic shop and you can find loads of tricks loads of marketed tricks for children um and children's shows but there's not necessarily anything on how to actually set up a brand a business Mm -hmm. And what do you actually do in your show? How do you structure a show from start to finish? You know, how do you build up to that climax at the end? So at the end of the party, the children want you to come to all their birthdays and the parents basically want to book you for all their children's birthdays too. You know, it's it's hard. And um, yeah, so I put it all into a book. One thing that stood out to me in the book was the bit about hugs. Now, yes. I've, got, I've got a five-year-old um, and I know teachers are not meant to hug kids, no. but the school she's at, fortunately, ignores that rule. And there are hugs galore. How do you deal with hugs in your act? Well, first of all, I just want to say I'm delighted that your school does that. Um, <laughs> I, The reason why I mentioned it in my book, um, I think I call it to hug or not to hug, um, is because it is such an important thing. When a child wants to show their appreciation to you as a performer for creating this wondrous magic world, what are you going to do? Are you, are you going to push the child away and go, I'm sorry, health and safety says I cannot yeah, help yeah. you um, <laughs> right now? Um, or are you going to respectfully get down on one knee or get down to their level and hug them? And for me, common sense is key in this topic. If a child wants to hug you, the most important thing you can do is hug them back. Right. Or now there are also other cultures that, you know, you actually really can't hug. So find another form of communication, whether that be a high five or a fist pump or a shaking of the hands, but it has to be something positive, you know? Mm. I mean, I'm quite lucky because I'm a girl. I don't know what it's like for men. I'm sure it's it's far more difficult for men to hug children uh, than it is for me being a woman. But all I can say to you is, for me, if a child wants to hug you, hug them back. There's a part in the book where you describe your first kids show. Can you talk about that experience? (laughs) Oh, do I have to? Yes, of course I can. Um, Yeah, do you know what? It's been so long ago and I still can't really think about it or talk about it because it was so difficult and it was actually so difficult to write in in my book. Um, I bet it was. I mean, 
obviously whenever you have the first of anything you're so excited and I just remember feeling so excited having my first magic show I was booked I was being paid to entertain mm. children and I built myself up to it I practiced every day in my room with my mom and dad like they, I'm sure they were sick of seeing the magic by that by that stage and ready to get me out and into the world to do magic fly and, be free yes exactly <laughs> and basically when I turned up at that house I was ushered into the tiniest of rooms and basically the mother sent the children in there was about 30 of them in this tiny room and she basically turned around and said to me okay we'll be in the kitchen if you need us and closed <sighs> the door behind oh my gosh her. and that was my first show and well, I did know that it, it wasn't appropriate for me to be in the room with 30 kids without another adult being there. I knew that. But how on earth could I have dealt with that while there was 30 kids sitting right in front of me? So I had to just go straight into my show. And when I did, it was a disaster. I could barely say two words because all the kids were interrupting me. They were shouting over me. I forgot my magic tricks. I forgot the show. And all I can say is, thankfully, I had been booked for balloons because I started doing balloons. That took up the rest of the time. And I sadly uh, got picked up by my father and driven home. And I will never forget that day. But I will never forget that day also because it was the start of something. I think I had to go through that mess of a show <laughs> to realize, well, you know, you have to try something. You have to, it, am I going to do it again? Am I going to leave it? So I decided to do it again. And the next time it wasn't so bad, you know. Well, hopefully people that want to do children's entertainment can read tips and advice in your book and so they yeah. don't have to have quite such a horrific first gig. No, definitely not. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, kids are kids. <laughs> you know, they don't mean to be horrible. <laughs> yeah, sure. But um, but yeah, you know, experience is key. You know, you've you've got to do more than one go of things, and you have to you have to keep on trying things in different situations because every birthday party is different. Every uh, child is different. Um, so you're going to have a different experience every time you perform for them. Um, sometimes yeah. I call it Russian roulette. You never know what you're walking into. But, um, but yeah, and that, that, that's the fun of it. How much Haribo have they had before you get there? Oh, lot. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that, uh, beware, beware. Never take sweets from children. You do not know where they have been. And this is true. <laughs> uh, the, the, the content of the book isn't tricks. What... Tell, tell people that are listening what they would get when they buy the book. Well, basically, I mean, I could easily write a trick book. You know, there's, as I said, there's so many tricks on the market. But I decided instead of that, I would write the, the other tricks, the tricks of the trade, really, that you need in forming a kid's show. So how to create a character, how to structure a kid's show, how to warm up for a kid's show, how to... Uh, design a business and a brand basically I mean Fizzwiz Pop at the minute is a big brand in in Northern Ireland and when kids uh, go to birthday parties and see me they're asking their parents to book Fizzwiz Pop and what's actually really funny is Fizzwiz Pop is my magic word it's not my character name so right. um, even though I tell them my name is Nicola after the show and to their parents they always call me Fizzwiz Pop so it's actually weird that I've created such a brand that's even bigger than my name the yeah, kids yeah. just instantly recognize it so there's a lot of tips and tricks like that in the book um and uh basically it's i i want to help others so that they don't struggle as much as i did when i'm uh, the way i was when i started 
Sure. Why, why do you think music is so important? You use it both in your kids' shows and your now award-winning close-up yes. act. Yes. It, um, again, I think it's because of my theatrical background, but I just think music makes magic beautiful. It makes the audience connect more with what you're doing. And you as a performer, if you have a character, it makes you connect too. And um, I, I enjoy listening to music so much. I, I research music. I listen to music day and night. Um, if I hear anything on the TV or in movies that I like, I Shazam it just to get the <laughs> name of the track. Um, I just think it's so important. It really helps. It helps get a connection between you and the audience and you and what you're doing. And that's vital for me. You know, you have to be connected in character with what you are doing on stage. And I think music helps that. And it also helps break up practice. If you if you find that you're bored in practice, stick on a music track and just start practicing your magic to music. It's amazing. It's changed my life. Oh, so hang on a minute. So you say so you've got a trick or a routine that you're not planning on doing to music. Yep. You'll sit there and do it to music, even yep. though you're not planning on doing it to music yeah and and also like even if I'm practicing like say a coin trick or false transfers or shuffling cards or anything like that I just stick on music in the background it really just for me it breaks it breaks up the monotony of it um and it just makes it more fun and then sometimes I decide to get up and groove and then I sit back down and then I get back to the practice again so yeah it's um it's a really good tool I think even if you're not planning on using it in your performance, you know, it's a really good tool to help loosen you up as a performer. Interesting. You recently did a week at the castle. Um, tell us about that. It was amazing. <laughs> oh, my word. I mean, you start the week as a nervous wreck. Sure. And then by the end of the week, you've somehow become this consummate professional. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I, there's there's no experience like it. It's um, I was very lucky when I was there that my every single show that I did sold out. And I Hi. thank all the magicians and all the lay people who came to see me during that week because they really helped me get my show together although I had my close-up act and I'd won the competition two weeks previous you know it's different doing a show show in mm. the magic castle yeah, so yeah. um the fact that I could do so many shows across a week period um it really uh, the show's in the bag now and all I can do is just experiment with it and have fun now because it's yeah you, you can't not be a changed performer after performing that many shows in a week you know what did you learn during the week aha uh -huh. I learned a few things one thing I definitely learned if anybody uses a remote control for their music I use a flick button and I mm -hmm. ordered a black one thinking that it would be great because it'll be attached to my jacket and well no it was a disaster because every single night I lost the flick button <laughs> because it was black so Honestly, if you're buying a remote control as a performer, don't go for camouflage, please. Go for something that stands out because you won't lose it every night. So I, I learned that. Pro tip. Um, pro tip. Um, but I also learned, I just learned to be confident. Um, I, I say this line in my kids' show, you know, I'm not really a confident performer and I'm a bit nervous and I, I do get nervous. Um, so I actually learned throughout the week that if I'm going to perform in a place like the Magic Castle, I need to be a confident person and performer on stage mm -hmm. and off. And as the week went on, my confidence grew. 
not only in me as a person, but in what I was doing magically as a person. Um, and yeah, for me, that was a massive learning curve. And for anybody else, if you ever get the opportunity to go to the castle, I, I can only say, say yes, 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 and just fly over there and go because uh, you will be a changed performer after visiting the castle. And another little thing, Jim Steinmar came to see me performing uh, and that was just incredible he is like a big idol of mine right. and when, he, when he walked through the door oh my word he took a seat and I was so nervous that I actually give him a salute and walk <laughs> backstage and had to compose myself before coming out and performing in front of him and the audience and <laughs> for me that was my biggest fright but actually he loved it he was a gentleman afterwards and uh it was funny I was like you're Jim Steinmar and he was like yeah 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 but more about you right at the top of this interview the box that you jumped out of in that first illusion wasn't yeah. that one of his um, I don't know what anything. It was a bow staff illusion. So yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. It was indeed. Yeah, I never made. So that he yet. started you in magic. He kind of did. Yeah. In a yeah. way. <laughs> in a way, yeah, he did. Um, yeah. How That's cool. interesting. I never made that connection. That's How going cool down in that? my bio. <laughs> okay. Just credit me for realizing it. I will. <laughs> now, now, clearly, what with the weird accent you have. You are from Northern Ireland, but at the, yeah. right at the beginning of your book, there's a whole bunch of Swedish names there, Otter and Nale and Tom and Anders. Who are these people and what is Sweden to you? Sweden is my second home at the minute. Um, basically, a year ago, I went on a magic course in Sweden with 20 other magicians from around the world. We all came together for Tom Stone's uh, conjuring course in the summer. Mm -hmm. And I tell you, it was the best magic summer school that I have ever been to as an adult. I don't even think I've been to a summer school as a child, but as an adult, it was incredible. Uh, just to work with 20 other magicians um, every day on uh, misdirection techniques, uh, tools and skills of acting and performing and magic uh, to make little routines together so that we could learn techniques to put into our own work. And while I was over there, obviously, I met a load of Swedish magicians, too. And all I can say is if you haven't uh, met any Swedish magicians or been in their presence, you need to because they are so wonderful. They share everything. I have learned so much uh, from a lot of Swedish magicians because they've taken their time and sat down and taught me things. They've took it, taken the time to really show me good magic and uh, watch my magic and I can't describe it it's just a wonderfully welcoming magic community over there and I'm very grateful that um, I've had the opportunity to uh, be a part of that. We're running out of time Nicola which is dreadfully oh. sad but what are your thoughts about the future for you as an artist and for mm -hmm. magic as a whole? Well, for me, I just want to push myself even more. I want to enter more competitions. I, I want to uh, begin lecturing on magic. Um, and basically, I just want to push myself and see how far I can go because already in the short time, I've come so far. But for magic as a whole, I personally would like to see magic 50-50, female and male. I, okay. I am an honest believer that something really magic will happen when that happens. 
I don't know what's going to happen, but mm-hmm. um, I think it will change things. Sure. Sure. We end with four quick fire questions, Nicola. Are you ready? I was born ready, Damien. <laughs> Favourite pizza topping? Pineapple. <sighs> Favourite movie? Grand Budapest Hotel. Favourite person that makes music? It has to be David Bowie. And finally, who would you rather fight? 100 tiny Joshuas or one massive Andy? It has to be a massive Andy because 100 tiny Joshuas would just be so annoying. Whereas one Andy, (laughs) I could just pick on him like David and Goliath. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, Nicola, should people want to keep up with your magical what's it? Where can they follow you on that there social media? Yeah, social media. Basically, um, my name's Nicola Arcane. Please add me as a friend. I love meeting new people and new magicians. I am friendly, as you've heard in this podcast. And uh, yeah, <laughs> this so could all be fake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah. But um, yeah, so add me as a friend on Facebook or indeed if you want to go to nicolaarcane.com and you'll find loads of information there. Um, or I'm on Instagram as well. So yeah, follow Thank me. You. Nicola thank you so much for your time I really appreciate it and for the listeners that don't know this is actually the third time we've tried to record this because of should we say technical difficulties so thank you for your patience and grace in redoing it Nicola I appreciate it no problem third time an Irish charm there we go thank you so much